Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by kids with incredible taste in outdated music, because every witty kid memorizes obscure 90s bands. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Simple Rick's Wafers. Get a taste of Rick in every wafer. Come home to Simple Rick's. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I'm Todd. And this is a movie podcast review slash analysis. We like to do breakdowns on movies and TV shows to kind of uh, learn a little bit more about the production process, maybe how to become better filmmakers, maybe insights into why someone did something. Um, and lately we've been tackling TV shows uh, just to build a little bit of a backlog and also to kind of do something we haven't really done before, which is break down things that probably more people have a greater familiarity with TV shows than than most movies, especially uh, the kind of movies we do. <laughs> so this has been Absolutely. kind of interesting and uh, a, a new tact uh, that we've taken. Yeah, it's been really enjoyable, actually. It's made me revisit um, um, some series that I really like and, and kind of like figure out how did they start. And it's really... It's been a little eye-opening because usually, you know, like you watch something like Seinfeld and you kind of know how it is. Uh, you know kind of what to expect. But, you know, how did it start? Like what was the the impetus of it and how had, how did that evolve into what you know uh, that it is now, you know, or that it was at the end? You know, it's like been really interesting to see that. I think this one in particular was uh, uh, a little – I wouldn't, I'm not going to say jarring, but it was a little like, like, Oh, interesting. That that's really interesting. Cause that's definitely not how it was towards the end or even halfway through the, the series. And you know, Oh, interesting things have changed. That's a little awkward. That was awkward <laughs> inter interaction. And yeah. You know, yeah. What do you have a favorite TV show all time? Sitcom specifically. Oh, a sitcom all time. I mean, cheers. Nice. I just have to, after our episode, I went back and kept watching and it's just, they're so good. And I, it rarely do I laugh. In fact, I never laugh. I, I, I always like, not always, but a lot of times I enjoy sitcoms. I can sit there and enjoy it, but I can't, uh, like, I just don't laugh, but cheers. I openly find, you know, I'm sitting here in my room or whatever, and I'm just, you know, throwing on an episode or something and I'll find myself chuckling and laughing. That never happens with sitcoms, other sitcoms. So yeah, uh, that one, I mean, there's, there's been others that I've, you know, really enjoyed or like grown up watching and uh, like, I really enjoy Seinfeld. I think that, um, Seinfeld in particular is, is definitely one of my favorites It's in my top five, if not, you know, two or three. And, uh, uh, I mean, one of the reasons is that like, you just never know what to expect. It's, you know, you're not going to have explosions or any, you know, like drama, like it's just almost never drama. Um, but that's in, in a lot of cases, I kind of miss that in sitcoms. Like it's always good to break it up a little bit, but because it's about nothing, I don't really find myself needing it. It can, it, it can, in fact, I feel like that the heavier it would get, the more it would ruin it. Right. Because it's just these crazy you know, friends going around trying to figure out all the idiosyncrasies of life and anything heavy is not an idiosyncrasy. It is like, it's, it's something where you can't really, really give an answer in 30 minutes and they don't ever touch anything that you can't give an answer in a single scene, if not a single line. Like that's the, I think the impetus of the, the show itself. And I've, 
I, it's, it was so wonderful to watch that, that opening with George and, and Jerry, uh, sitting in the coffee shop. And honestly, like the, um, interaction with the waitress, I loved that. And I was sitting there watching it like, man, I wish they would have had her in it more. I felt like for some reason, I just really liked her like picking on George, you know, like she's known him for a long time, you know? So anyway. Yeah. That deep sarcasm that, uh, is like this rundown waitress who's just seen it all done it all. And she's just trying to make it through the end of her day. The last thing she wants is one of her regulars giving her crap. And so, yeah, nobody wants to see you on hopped up on caffeine, George. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what about you? Um, that's so tough. I mean, I haven't seen a lot of sitcoms. I'm probably on the same same track as you, though. I would say Cheers is probably is definitely top five, if not my number one. God, yeah, I don't I don't really have very far to go. Like Seinfeld has always been great. I've never I don't I'm pretty sure I haven't seen every single episode of Seinfeld. So this is one that I could probably sit down and watch and see, you know, five or ten new episodes that I've never seen before. And yeah. I, I would be okay with that. Um, I mean, I really enjoy, obviously, uh, How I Met Your Mother. And I'm sure there's a few from when I was young that I enjoyed at the time that I probably would just be like, oh, that was fun for one episode. I'm done. Something like Growing Pains or Who's the Boss or, you know, some yeah. of those silly one-off ones that they were fun in the moment. But as soon as the episode ended, you kind of forgot about it. <laughs> like, yeah. Just yeah. complete throwaway. Uh, and then there's others that have not aged very well, something like, uh, the Cosby show, or, uh, I want to say even some of the, the classics, uh, Powell right to the moon. I, uh, I can't think of that. Oh, the honeymooners, the honeymooners. Like, I don't know how well that's aged. I haven't tried to watch it. Uh, but a lot of it sounded like there was a lot of violence at home. <laughs> so. You know, you know, what would be good is, uh, that probably still holds up to this day is I love Lucy. Yeah, I did love, I love Lucy a lot growing up. Um, she was just amazing. She was just an incredible Ugh. comedic, uh, actress that way ahead of her time. Like she just, I assume changed the scope. Obviously I wasn't around when that was airing, but, uh, yeah. for it to still be relevant and growing up and watching that, uh, similar to like a Laverne and Shirley. I grew up, you know, watching pieces of that here and there. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a few, I wish I'd grown up watching Mary Tyler Moore. I, I've never really seen that before, but something like that or Bob Newhart, like mm -hmm. there's just a bunch of little random things that I saw here and there just enough to know that that exists. And there's a few things. So I grew up watching, um, a lot. I loved this show when I was a kid, um, which is really weird because it was old even when I was a kid. But Mama's Family mm. um, with Carol Burnett or not Carol Burnett. Who was it? Was it Carol Burnett? I can't remember. I can't remember now. Oh, my gosh. I'm having <laughs> I'm losing it uh, anyway. And that was an example of a, of a female lead female comedian, mm. but uh, doing a role that, you know, like an older role or whatever. But I but, uh, Lucy, man, she did it first. She was like this, this, uh, a physical comedian as well as a verbal comedian. She, you know, like the, the famous, um, um, chocolate factory scene where they're like eating all the, they're trying to wrap all the chocolates yeah. and they keep coming faster and they start eating. Like <laughs> you have to be 
you couldn't just be any person doing that. It had to be done in a certain physical way to be funny. And she was just like the master of that. But at the same time, she could break your heart in, in just a second if she wanted to. So anyway, to segue to Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. And just by the way, you were correct. It is Carol Burnett and Mama's okay. family. Okay, great. Thank you for doing that research. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we going to cover on Seinfeld? So we're going to cover a lot of things. Um, and just a heads up, we'll probably cover, we'll talk or reference at least uh, not just Seinfeld, but How I Met Your Mother, Friends and Cheers, uh, just to give a little contrast. Probably not a lot, not enough to, to ruin any of those shows, but uh, for reference. And we'll talk about story and writing, cinematography um, and other such stuff and things. And stuff. It's pretty impossible to ruin Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> it's about nothing. It's really, yeah. <laughs> which means it's about everything, which right. is True. Know, daunting if, if you look at it that way. Uh, so a quick synopsis, which is interesting to give a synopsis of this, the continuing misadventures of neurotic New York city, stand-up comedian, Jerry Seinfeld and his equally neurotic New York city friends. Well done. Created by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld, featuring Jerry Seinfeld as Jerry Seinfeld, Michael Richards as Kramer, Jason Alexander as George Costanza, Julia Louis-Dreyfus Louis as Elaine Bennis. And you didn't even hear how she sounded. <laughs> what? <laughs> Laura. I can't believe we already discussed this. Yeah, but how could you be so sure? Because it signals, Jerry, it signals, don't you? <laughs> Did she even ask you what you were doing tomorrow night if you were busy? No. She calls you today? She doesn't make a plan for tomorrow? What is that? It's Saturday night. Yeah. What is that? It's ridiculous. You don't even know what hotel she's staying at. You can't call her. That's a signal, Jerry. That's a signal. Signal. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm right. Of course I'm right. <laughs> this is insane. You know, I don't even know where she's staying. She's, she's not going to call me. It's unbelievable. I know, I know. <laughs> Listen, your stuff has to be done by now. Why don't you just see if it's dry? Just, you know. No, no, no. Don't interrupt the cycle. <laughs> the machine is working. It knows what it's doing. Just let it finish. You're going to overdry it. Y you can't overdry. Why not? Same reason you can't overwet. <laughs> see, when something is wet, it's wet. <laughs> Same thing with that. Like, once you die, you're dead, right? Let's say you drop dead and I shoot you. You're not going to die again. You're already dead. You can't overdie. You can't overdrive. Any questions? Can't overdrive, can't overdie. <laughs> Perfect. That kind of epitomizes, like, they bounce back and forth, I think, throughout the entire run of the show of completely meaningless observations about day-to-day -day, uh, life mixed in with similarly uh, maybe semi-reasonable observations about dating culture. And that's kind of the crux of it. We, and I, I think that's the similarity, obviously, between all four of these sitcoms that we've, we've touched on. And I would be shocked if it isn't the running theme in most sitcoms that it's about love at the, at the end of it. And obviously Seinfeld takes a, a different approach. Like there's never really any hope in their love lives. It's no, always yeah. absolutely doomed. Um, as compared to how I met your mother, friends and cheers. Like they always felt like there was the opportunity for something to go right. And here they start from the opening, you know, picking apart the reasons why Jerry is not going to succeed and it just keeps going and going. What? So yeah, what was, 
what was it like? You you kind of started touching on a little bit of watching the pilot versus knowing how the rest of the run of the series goes. Uh, how how was watching this thing? It was uh, it was fantastic. It was fun to uh, well one I haven't watched it in a while, so it was fun to revisit the characters again and and I was really excited to see how are they going to introduce Kramer and he didn't slide in like right. he <laughs> yeah. ended up normally doing. He just walked in right. Well, but, halfway at and, first, right? He kind of just sticks yeah. his head in and then kind of like almost like there was something blocking him from opening the door. It's all this physical yeah. stuff. Yeah. And that's what I meant by like the all awkward interactions. Like it was like the first time you see Kramer and his interaction with Jerry is like very because Kramer's character is at least towards the end or even halfway or a quarter of the way through the the series is very, you know, like he knows what he's talking about and he's aggressive and he's um, he just does things. Right. But in this case, he doesn't just go straight to the fridge. He asks if he has any any meat. Which is, and it's normally not, even if he asked later on in the series, if he asks for something, it's normally not an awkward moment, but this felt like, it just felt awkward, like not, not fully developed, right? Kramer was definitely not fully developed. I feel like Jerry always has been Jerry. Mm -hmm. Um, George does develop a little bit, but he's pretty much George kind of like knows it all, you know, or he like acts like he does. And then, uh, we never meet Elaine, which is interesting. Uh, so yeah, I think the biggest development was, was in Kramer. Like he just, his character becomes bigger, uh, throughout the series. So he was very, he just seemed very small and almost throwaway in a way, but he did not throw away because he added a lot of comedy. I mean, the bread in the pockets is perfect, <laughs> uh, which makes me think that, and I don't know that, I don't know this, but it seems like it would be something that like an actor would suggest. Yeah, that right. was what I, I was think thinking. My, I think my character might have bread in his pockets instead of like walking in with bread in his hand, right? <laughs> I'm just going to put it in my pockets. This is the character I am. Um, and that's just kind of what it felt like and it totally worked. And then his slow eating of the meat out, out of the bread like was just fantastic. <laughs> and so I think that the bones of his character were there and it was – I think it was Michael Richards who really developed it. Uh, throughout the next, I don't know, a few episodes, a couple seasons or whatever into what Kramer actually was. But it was it was really enjoyable to watch. And it holds up totally. I loved it. I, I thought, I mean, obviously it's old and there are things that developed, but the comedy is there. Like it's exactly what it ended up being at the end. It's just about this and that, like little things. You have no idea what they're going to talk about next. And because it could be some tiny little thing, but that turns into the, to the entire ep- conversation in that episode. Um, and there are always things that you can relate to because you're a human being. They only talk about stuff that human beings go through or talk about or don't talk about, but think about maybe. And maybe that's what it is. But it was one. it's wonderful also. I remember the first time I ever saw Seinfeld, it was like, oh, he's he's doing comedy I'm like watching his stand-up comedy in, in the episode and it's real. It's like live in front of people. It was interesting. They did a, uh, almost a 180 back on the audience at one point while he's on stage and they never did that later on. It was always just him on stage, you know, in front of the camera, but it, they never put the camera behind him to show the audience later on. But we get that, that view, I guess, to prove to us, like this is actually live and he's, it's for real, you know, doing his bit or at least give that feeling. 
And it, it does break up the story to be able to go cut back to him doing his stand up, And it leads into what they're talking about, you know, in the next scene when they go back to, to George and, and him talking or whomever. So yeah, it was, it was, it was great. It was great. I was surprised. So last night, uh, Seinfeld, a new standup special popped up on Netflix. Oh, whoa. Perfect timing. Really random. And I started watching it and he, he goes right back to the same opening as this show. Whenever he's doing the whole bit about going out, like we're out right now. That's what we're doing. We're always talking about it, you know? And he opens the standup within five minutes. He goes right back to that bit and it's slightly varied, but not by much. And I was just like, wow, that's interesting. Comics spend years honing, you know, these bits and and tinkering with them and modifying them as they as they age to see what what's the best punchline, what's the best uh, entry and exit out of these, you know, bits. And so I was just really surprised that, you know, some almost 30 years later, we're, we're seeing him still performing, you know, some of these bits and still getting laughs and people are still entertained. And it's only by sheer coincidence that I just happened to see the pilot, you know, and then immediately go and watch this or else you'd, you'd never remember that. You'd never remember that. Oh yeah. He did that in the opening of Seinfeld. Like, no, probably not. Like even, (laughs) even hardcore fans aren't going to remember all of your bits, especially whenever you've had whatever, five or six seasons on a, on a show. But yeah, I, I largely had the same reaction as you did. I would say exactly what you were talking about with George. He's already, you know, especially for a pilot, he's fully engaged. He's got all these nuances. The physicality is already kind of there. Uh, his speaking, his mannerisms, he's already in near peak form. And I would say he doesn't really change much. He does shift it and grow it and become better. But that may just be largely a result of uh, the writing growing and developing and I think it's such a big difference between these actors all there. And obviously as the show grows, the writing gets much, much tighter and they're getting in and out of scenes quicker and the storylines get much bigger here. We, we basically only have one storyline, which is Jerry has a guest coming into town and everything else is just kind of odds and ends, right? The, the, they open in the the diner about the shirt, like that button is misplaced. And he's just going on about it, about the buttons on his shirt, uh, which segues into the dating stuff. And then we go back to the laundromat, that same thing. We start talking about boredom and laundry that switches right back into his dating life. And then he meets Kramer and that's our introduction to Kramer that quickly switches right back into the dating stuff. And they, they're very, disciplined about that but i can see that in later seasons at least they instead of having like one storyline they'll they'll have you know at least three storylines going at any one time um in an episode and so it's it that's just a product of getting more familiar with your characters and i think also allowing the audience to be more familiar so that you don't have to do quite as much introduction right you already know kramer is going to be doing something really weird and offbeat you know george is going to be uh scamming you know one way or another uh and jerry's going to be trying to finagle his dating life and and also negotiate his friends all dealing with stuff i was surprised we didn't see elaine i don't know when she enters i was kind of suspecting oh is this how we meet elaine she's the the minnesota woman coming into town because i just don't remember when she arrives or why she arrives. And so that's something that I think I will keep watching and trying to see, you know, how it progresses. 
but I think this largely comes from the, you know, the, the actor's ability to, to kind of step in and immediately be on, uh, even Kramer's pretty well on, even though, uh, his character isn't quite as funky as he ends up getting, but like the physicality, right? He's halfway into the, uh, the fridge and that gets a good laugh out of the audience. And he's just like the, the dog, he's like, Oh, he's going to go use the bathroom <laughs> or he's getting a drink of water. Yeah. <laughs> like, he makes the dog sound like a yeah. human just in his reference. It's, it's largely there, but he does grow so much. I think a little in performance, but definitely in character type. And I was just surprised, I guess, just by how much room there was still to grow. But I think the reason that the, the performances are so on already is that these are all very seasoned actors. Like the, at this stage, as compared to something like uh, Friends and How I Met Your Mother, uh, those, uh, especially How I Met Your Mother, these were all very uh, mostly new actors. Like if you look at how, especially Ted, uh, Jason Siegel was kind of already, he'd had a few shows already, like he'd done Freaks and Geeks. And so he'd had some seasoning already, but he still had, uh, he was still really young in his career. Whereas I think Josh Radner was just getting going and Kobe Smolders grew a ton in that show. Like she became the funniest person on the show, probably halfway through the the series. Yeah. So there was just so much more space to grow. Whereas, you know, we step into Seinfeld and Jerry Seinfeld is already a world famous comedian. And all these other guys have probably been floating around for quite some time, probably already knew each other to some degree or another. And so their ability to kind of step into these characters, I'm sure they had more pre-production time to kind of explore and, and work with Larry David to figure out like, who are these people? What are they contributing to the Mm -hmm. scene? And so, well, I think that Jerry just played himself. Yeah. You know, it was easy for him. Uh, I do know because I've seen um, the uh, comedians in cars getting Mm -hmm. coffee that he that Seinfeld did. Jerry did with uh, with Michael Richards. Reese. uh, Well, was it two years ago? It was after his whole, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, comedy meltdown or whatever. And he was pretty adamant about how apologetic he was. He was like it was like it got heavy in the, in the show. But anyway, uh, uh, he was saying in it that, uh, Jerry gave him his shot. So it doesn't mean that he wasn't seasoned. Sure. You know, like he had been doing other stuff, but at least in terms of something either that size or with a character like that, like, like basically this was his, his breakout, you know what I mean? But I know that, uh, Jason Alexander had been doing, he'd done, um, a lot of plays, a lot of stage mm. performance, uh, before that. So, um, he's used to memor- memorizing lines and he's used to like developing a character, you know, in something that has to, has to happen immediately. Right. So, and that translates so well whenever you're coming from a theater background and stepping onto a sitcom stage, uh, especially because the, the cinematography here is very simple and a lot of basic setups for a soundstage, right? We stay in wides and mediums, a lot of two shots to show the performers with each other and their physicality, uh, like the flailing arms and hands and gesturing. And that's all very theatric. Uh, and so it makes sense to stay in these kind of wider shots. Like if you see the, uh, if you watch the scene where Kramer enters, we stay in that wide for quite a while. Like it's a, it's a single shot, you know, for, for quite some time before I think we cut to a, a, a medium of him in the fridge and 
that plays so well theatrically because the wider you are, it imitates a, a stage and allows you to do much more gesturing without it being, you know, overflowing the frame so that you can really capture all their, their mannerisms and the physicality. Cause as shows mm-hmm. go, this is a very physical uh, show. You may not necessarily uh, think that because you know, I think people hear a lot of physical comedy uh, and they start thinking, you know, three's company, Jack falling over the, the couch kind of stuff. And that's not really I mean, that's one part of it, but it's not necessarily that it's all the mes- uh, mannerisms and, and gesturing. And it's kind of getting into your character, like even in that that bit that we played with them and the uh, the laundromat, whenever Jerry goes back to the the whole dating thing, you didn't even hear, you know, what she sounded like on the phone. George's first response is to fall on his knees and start begging like, we've already been over this. (laughs) Yeah. Like what? And it's so good. And then he's immediately right back up and he's popping his fingers and uh, like really animated. And that's very exhausting because he's been doing it all week. You know, you usually rehearse these things for a week and then you perform it for the audience on, you know, Friday or Saturday. And so you've been doing this all week. Uh, of course the audience gives you new life. Suddenly you're doing it in front of a crowd. So you can, you can get several takes in without wearing down. But I think it's the kind of thing where, uh, like an athletic event, it's not until you step off stage that you realize like, Oh my God, I am smoked. I have nothing left. Um, and then suddenly it all kind of hits you like a ton of bricks because you're just feeding off the audience and off the crowd and using that to, to, to launch you. But, and that's easier in the first half of the series, I'm sure. Like, by season five or six, you're probably pretty tired of all this and having to find new ways to to make it interesting to you. But I was surprised that they they kept this fairly, uh, I want to say, intimate. Like a lot of these settings are semi-intimate, like they're at the diner table. And even though they're in a restaurant, we're not really seeing the restaurant. We're seeing them uh, interact with each other and with Rachel's. We're in an apartment. We're at the laundrette, which seemed like a, a, a fun little throw off because I don't know how often they go back to the that launderette like yeah i don't think so and that's kind of cool that they just said hey we're gonna build this one set for this one thing uh, or borrow someone else's i guess uh, and move on like we're not coming back to this (laughs) that's you don't see that a lot i don't think in pilots um if i think back to friends or how i met your mother obviously in cheers we kind of stay in one space the entire time but the others we don't wait we see them use setups that they're going to be using for the rest of that season (laughs) and they're not gambling away budget on one-offs yeah (laughs) that's something you really got to consider just thinking about sets right now i'm kind of surprised that these sets were they're kind of humdrum like his apartment Mm -hmm. uh i guess kind of becomes iconic but at the same time i think if you were to show that that setup to me if this was the first time watching it i wouldn't think oh this is a really fun space to to inhabit it's tedious. It's anything but. It's very New York City in the sense that it's minimalist um, and kind of cluttered, and there's nothing really interesting happening in that scene. Whereas if you go to the Friends or How I Met Your Mother, and obviously Cheers, there's a ton happening in those scenes. Uh, but obviously their setup plays very much into the heart of this show, which is hey, it's really not about nothing. <laughs> like the the show is us and us kind of pointing out you know meaningless, bizarre tedious things and so let's not make these sets too interesting <laughs> yeah it needs to represent what an apartment looks like in new york and that's a fair representation i think <laughs> absolutely i agree yeah 
I feel like I had one or two other things. I didn't write it down, so it couldn't have been too interesting. Oh, uh, <laughs> I thought, oh, frick, just saying, oh, made me lose it. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, well, I think just the run of the show. Oh, how it ends is what I wanted to, to kind of touch oh, on. yeah. Because this show ends much differently than any other show ends. Like most shows, especially How I Met Your Mother, Friends, tons of other shows like that, where you have this core cast and a core space that they inhabit, uh, you know, well, I'm not going to throw out other shows, but they tend to end very similarly where there's this kind of goodbye to the space. We're saying yes. we're going to say goodbye to the apartment. Um, we're going to say we're going to give all these characters reasons why the show is ending and they're all moving on with their lives and they all have new places to go Seinfeld kind of just said nope we're all getting thrown in jail <laughs> and we're supposed to keep going but uh we're not this is just and now they're in purgatory like they're just forever in jail um, how did you how did you feel about that uh at the time I didn't feel any kind of way I, I I thought it was funny and I think I just saw everyone else's frustration with it like what so they're just gonna be in jail for the rest of their lives I was like, I didn't, I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't really have a, a strong opinion one way or the other, but thinking back on it now, I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in context with all these other shows that do these big send offs. Yeah. It was, it was, I remember thinking, really, that's it. Really? But now that I think about it, you know, okay. So something like cheers, right. And we, we can, we already yeah. warned people about spoilers. So whatever with cheers, the last line is, I believe, is sorry, bars closed. Oh, wow. Right. That's Sam's last line. That's it. I, I believe. And so we're saying, like you said, saying bye to the space, saying bye to the main character. We've already said goodbye to Diane, like everybody. And and then that's it. But for this, but th that whole show took place in a bar. It was never anywhere else, really. There might have been a scene or two, but really, for the most part, all eight years, nine years were there in that bar. So you kind of have to say goodbye to that. But with Seinfeld, they're outside, they go, uh, you know, upstate, they, they're in a laundromat, they're in the, um, in the, the deli, they're in his apartment, they're in Kramer's apartment, they're, they're at George's parents' house, they're all over the place. There's so many sets. You cannot say goodbye to all of them, even though I want to say goodbye to George's parents' place. I loved that. Him living with them was freaking awesome. Uh, so, yeah, you kind of can't do that. And it feels kind of, it would probably feel, you know, after time, it might feel cheap to try to do that. So take them out of that space. And really, what you're saying bye to are the characters, right? And they're all together. And how do you get them all together? Well, for it not to feel forced, but to literally be forced, you put them in a cage, right? <laughs> yeah. So now all of their, and, and also like they were pretty shitty people in, in, in a lot oh, of ways, yeah. right? Yeah. It's so superficial <laughs> yeah. and, and, and everything. And I do not think that necessarily there was anything deeper uh, any other deeper meaning putting them in jail? Like that's what we all, we're all in jail. If we, if we act this way, you know, whatever our own personal jail, I don't think I it's, it's Larry David and yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. I don't, I, I really, not that I don't think they can be deep. I totally know they can, but I don't think, I think their point with this show was to not be, you know, was to be so on the surface that literally anyone in the planet could watch it and relate to it. Right. 
And then maybe, I don't know, maybe I could be wrong and there is that no, deeper meaning of that. But No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's the, I think that's the whole point of using the stand-up bits in the show itself because most stand-up comedy is this universal discussion about life. Yeah. And so using that is, is kind of telling us how comics use life to inform their comedy. And here it's this, you know, perfect circle of we're seeing uh, a stand-up bit and then we're seeing uh, how life develops and then we're seeing how he uses these pieces of his uh, offbeat life to kind of inform his comedy. So it's this nice little circle that he's using that comedy is most comedy is very generic and and broad and it's finding those little eccentricities within those broad categories that allows people to identify and relate yeah i mean especially in america yeah. we're all very familiar with going out and the idea of once you go out you're tired and you want to go back <laughs> i mean it's it's easily it's like it's like a lot of it's a lot of stand-up comedy is very superficial so that everybody can get it and everybody laughs and everybody understands it. So they're basing this whole show off of his stand-up comedy. So there's literally endless content. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Us having an awkward conversation where I'm saying something and there's a delay between because we're on, <laughs> we're on webcam we're on web, uh, could result yeah, in no, a, you're going you're, but the, yeah, 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 okay. could result in an entire episode of Seinfeld. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like in, yeah. I mean, and there's been some shows that have done this really well. Uh, whenever I think about, I don't know if anybody's watching Avenue five, um, or Silicon Valley, like they do some really great bits on exactly that. And mm -hmm. it's the kind of stuff that would fit perfectly into a Seinfeld episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a number of ways. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, using the, the, the jail bit and I'm trying to remember in that episode, I think it's because there was a, uh, a good Samaritan law and they didn't help someone after they'd been robbed and they just kind of all sat around watching. <laughs> and it, it goes to your point. Like these are pretty terrible people, uh, because they did just sit and watch someone get robbed because they're New Yorkers. And I think, uh, that's kind of the hardened aspect of being a New Yorker is understanding that, Hey, your drama is not my drama. I can't get involved in your life or else I'm never going to get to wherever I'm trying to go. And, uh, this right. is an endless cycle anyway. Like I, I'm going to go down the street and see someone else in trouble and they step outside of New York and wherever it is, I think Maine maybe. And then they take that attitude into another uh, state. It doesn't fit <laughs> like suddenly what they're doing, what their day-to-day -day life feels like is suddenly against the law and gets them uh, thrown in jail. And maybe there's some, you know, joke of a moral in there, but it's, it's perfect. It's, it's very fitting of their characters and <laughs> Yeah, I loved it. So looking back, I loved it. I didn't have a strong opinion at the time, but uh, I think it's absolutely perfect. <laughs> Agreed, man. Nice. Wow. Um, yeah. Last question. Uh, do you have a, a favorite bit or thing that pops to mind frequently when it comes to Seinfeld? Huh. That is, that is a really good question. Like, like I think the most famous one is Festivus, right? Uh I got a lot yeah. of problems with you people. <laughs> um, man, there's so many. There's the soup Nazi. Soup Nazi is good. Uh, there's the George sleeping under his desk at work, <laughs> uh, which probably is, I think that's my, my favorite. Uh, George is my favorite. Yeah. Of all of them, George is my favorite. Oh, what was the one? Uh, oh, George. <laughs> Kramer taking pictures of George on the couch. Was that an episode? Or was it Kramer taking pictures? 
Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with me? the picture, but I didn't know that that was a, that came out of an it was, episode. There's a whole episode, bro, of him taking pictures on that couch. Um, uh, Newman. Um, Putty was, you know, an amazing kind of one-off character. Uh, yes, he really was huh. just, oh my gosh. I, I mean, I, I really can't pick one. I, I just, I love the concept yeah. of like, I mean, dude, we could sit down and write an episode of Seinfeld in an hour, honestly, right. like, and it would be funny because it's real. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, you don't even need, that's the brilliance of it. You don't even need to try hard. You just write stuff down and because it's factual and someone else is saying it and you haven't said it, but you've experienced it. It all of a sudden is completely relatable and can be funny if it's delivered in the right way. So it's all in the delivery. I imagine seeing a script of a Seinfeld episode and thinking this isn't funny. But then when you watch it and you watch these characters saying these things, all of a sudden it's funny. Right. And that is the brilliance of it. It's like understanding what funny is and that it's not words on a page, that it's literally the delivery uh, and embracing that through casting and through directing and through acting is just un- unreal. Like there's never been a show like this and there, I mean, I would hope there would be another one, but there hasn't been yet. You know, I think that's such a good point because I've seen, and I've done Seinfeld scenes in class in acting class. Um, oh, cool. and it is interesting to watch someone perform in that isn't familiar with the content and suddenly what's normally a very funny scene can be like dry and amiss. It's just like, why are we talking about like a price tag on a jacket right now? This is, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't funny. And so it is, you're totally right. I mean, the writing is obviously fantastic, but it has to be paired with the right performance and the right attitude uh, going yep. in. The one my, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one that I always think about a lot is the, the garbage disposal in the shower. <laughs> When, when Kramer installs a garbage disposal in, oh my the, in the shower oh my God. and he's cooking in there and he makes yes. a meal and like it comes up as everyone's, you know, eating that. Yeah, I made it in my shower. It's <laughs> like, wait, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, so usually uh, when yeah. I'm like showering, I look at the, the, gar- the, the drain. I'm like, I wonder if I could get the garbage disposal. Yeah. In there. Yeah. <laughs> Just brilliant. So random. Uh, His TV show right in the apartment that has no cameras. Uh, Yeah. Just genius, genius level writing. Yeah. So that said, what are you going to recommend this week? So I want I felt like I wanted something recommend something clean and um, not clean as in like bad words, but clean as in like shot clean Mm. and just kind of like where you can take your mind out of you know, the, the details of everything, even though that because there's so much detail given to you, you don't need to think about it. And so I immediately went to Wes Anderson and I'm going to recommend, uh, the life aquatic with Steve Zissou. That's just an incredible, incredible film that really, I mean, I think that Rushmore really put him on the map obviously. And then Royal Tenenbaums was, you know, really established his style, but, for some reason, the life aquatic just has this like human element to it that I, I just, I don't think that he had really at least hit home with me yet with those two. Yeah. So the life aquatic. Nice. I'm going to stay on the New York 
theme and okay. recommend if you have HBO to check out How to Make It in America. Mm. It's still a bit of a comedy. It's not like a hardcore sitcom, but it's it's funny and it's also interesting to see. It's kind of like entourage uh, in the sense that you're watching a group of friends try to try to figure it out and um, become successful. And in this case, it's about the fashion industry and uh, two buddies in and I don't know if it's Queens or, or where, but they're, they're trying to become successful clothing designers. And it's really good, man. The, it's one of those shows where anybody who watches it gets really frustrated that there was only two or three seasons. Oh, man. Because you just get really attached uh, to these characters and their stories and, and where they're going. And it's absolutely fantastic and highly recommend it. How to make it cool. in America. Yeah. Love it. So uh, stay tuned next week when we finally tackle parasite late and as necessary yeah. necessarily late yeah. yes. this uh, is not a film that you want to cover right away no uh and this was a special request from charlie so uh, appreciate you buddy with the with the good review so we'll be tackling that next week and don't forget to subscribe review us on itunes like charlie guys be more like a Charlie in your life. <laughs> and if there's a movie or something you want us to cover, let us know. If you want to comment on this episode about Seinfeld, you can do that at the pestlepodcast.com slash Seinfeld. And we'll leave you with a quote of the day from Calvin and Hobbes. Thank you for, yeah. <laughs> for uh, uh, taking my, my advice here. Uh, okay, so this is, a, I guess, a, a strip from Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin, this is Calvin saying this. Isn't it strange that evolution would give us a sense of humor? When you think about it, it's weird that we have a physiological response to absurdity. We laugh at nonsense. We like it. We think it's funny. Don't you think it's odd that we appreciate absurdity? Why would we develop that way? How does it benefit us? Hobbes says, I suppose if we couldn't laugh at things that don't make sense, we couldn't react to a lot of life. Oh my gosh. And Calvin replies, I can't tell if that's funny or really scary because we don't, we, most of life doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. And either that's scary or it can be funny. And I think that, um, Seinfeld is a great example of a way to make it funny, the absurd, the unanswerable, the questions, you know, which we have millions of. So yeah, absolutely. Well they, done. They do such a good job of making any topic and not that they're unique in this, uh, but turning like something sex, you know, becomes uh, really funny. Uh, yeah. Even something as complicated or uh, sensitive as uh, contraception, right? It becomes this running theme throughout the show of uh, the sponge and, and yeah. it becomes this whole ordeal. Like taking, that's, that's such a great skill to take these sensitive topics in life and, and making them absurd and something to laugh at uh, because a lot of life is that way. I remember I was dating someone who always thought from a macro top level perspective, uh, anthropo anthropological perspective that sex is so weird. Like sex is so funny. Like two people decide to get together and uh, like get naked and rub their bodies all over each other. Like it's like it's so weird if you just think about that, you know, from a animalistic perspective. Like what are we doing? <laughs> it's, you know, but yeah. it's obviously necessary for for life, and so much of life is that way. And I love Seinfeld's ability to kind of break the monotony of the day and point these uh, little obscure 
oddities out to us and uh, make us appreciate being human and culture and uh, society. Yeah. Love it. Agreed. Well done using that quote. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So thank you guys again for joining us. This has been so much fun covering all of these uh, these pilot episodes. Um, but we're going to get back to, to movies next week covering Parasite. Make sure to join us then. Until then, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch the movies. Thank you.